Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back. This is episode 254 of Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. We've got some great content for you to become better at influence, to get more tools, to change lives, to make more money, to have more success, better relationships, whatever it is. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Hopefully you're having a good week. My week's been pretty good. Depressed end of summer. But you know what? Seasons are good. Did spend some time this week doing webinars for a large beverage company, not going to name names, on charismatic leadership, which is a critical topic because most managers think they're leaders, but they're not. There's a big difference between a leader and a manager, meaning managers manage tasks. They are short-term, and when you're a manager, people do it because they have to. When you're a leader, it's more visionary or we're managing people. And people do it because they want to. Big difference, different tools, a lot of fun. Become a leader, not a manager. So let's dive into it this week. And instead of Homer doing the blunder, let's have a ninja. A persuasion ninja. <laughs> this one goes to Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, if you don't know who he is, you better do some research because that was the person that created Bitcoin. And if you're not following Bitcoin and cryptocurrency... You're going to be missing out. We'll talk about that another time. But Bitcoin has created incredible scarcity. This is an online digital currency. I'm not going to go the ins and outs of this. But Bitcoin is interesting because it's only eventually going to release 21 million coins. Now, scarcity, your psychological reactance means if there's not enough to go around, people want it more. And you think, well, 21 million, that's a lot. Not when you consider it's a worldwide currency accepted all over the world. Let me put it to you in perspective. There are 37 million millionaires in the world, and there's only 21 million Bitcoins, meaning every million in the world could not have a Bitcoin, which drives up the price, which is different from governments, because governments just print currency. Inflation reduces the value versus this is a currency that continues to grow. So I'm calling that Ninja Satoshi Nakamoto. If you want to know more about Bitcoin, let me know. Maybe we'll have a podcast on it because it's interesting how they've created a scarce coin that's trusted and used right out of the blue. And it's changing how people do things. So that is our Ninja of the Week, Satoshi Nakamoto. Let's dive into our geeky article. The title of this one caught my eye. It's from Neuropsychologia. Looks like that's Portuguese and Psychology Today. And the title is, What is the Number One Predictor of Personal Success? So first of all, I just want to point out that title. The title of your presentation, the title of anything you do, the subject line you put in an email needs to grab people's attention. Maybe we'll focus a whole podcast on that, but that grabbed my attention. I want to know, what's the answer? And they said it was persistence. I don't know if that's number one. It's probably top three, top five, but... Persistence is up there. Motivation is up there. And they took a deep dive into the brain and said there's a portion of the brain that must activate to help with persistence. And this is Dr. Murray Grossman. They did some research here and they found it's the prefrontal cortex. 
And of course, that doesn't mature till later on in life. And that's a whole other podcast to look at the brain. But they were looking for ways to help us become more persistent. And that's what I want to take a look at. Because your brain, in a lot of ways, can be like a muscle. The more you practice on becoming persistent or motivated or whatever it is, it can become easier and easier for you. This one says, first, you've got to start with the forethought. You've got to visualize it. And I teach that in persuasion all the time. If your prospect can't see themselves doing it, if they can't visualize themselves doing it, it's not going to happen. So first of all, you have to visualize it. Then next of all, you have to plan out each step to achieve your goals. Put it into smaller pieces. The next one is you have to plan out each step. What do you need to do? And I would add, how are you going to keep the score? Then they said to focus on the positive and the negative consequences of a plan. The inspiration, desperation, the pleasure, the pain. That can keep you motivated. That can keep you on track. That's another one I've done with weight loss centers too, is to help them not only visualize being skinnier, creating the plan step by step, but also the motivation. What motivates you by desperation? I don't want to be dead, fear, right? Versus inspiration, being skinny, running a marathon, living longer to be with grandchildren, whatever it is, you need to have an inspiration and desperation. Now, here's an interesting one. Keep your word. When you say it, you do it. Even if it's your own personal promise to yourself, you say it, you do it, that's who you are. That not only helps with character, but it looks like it also helps with persistence. Here's a fun one. Take calculated risks. Stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. Do new things. Next one is establish a daily routine. Become a creature of habit. We need structure. We like routine. That's your brain likes that structure, that consistency, not chaos, not something different every day. Even with weight loss, we've seen if you just eat the same things every day, even though it sounds like it's kind of bland and not very creative, it's easy. You know what you have for breakfast, you don't have for lunch, there's no decisions, it's easy. And that's what you do, and that helps you become more persistent. The last one he said is evaluate every plan. Adjust it, adapt it, fine-tune it. Best example I can give you is when you take a flight from, let's say, Los Angeles to Singapore, the airplane's off course most of the time. It's always correcting, always correcting, always correcting, always adjusting. And that's okay for you, for your goals. You're not changing your goals, but maybe you might say, instead of two hours a week, I need to do three hours a week. You might say, well, instead of 3,000 calories, it's 2,800 calories. You can fine-tune and adjust your plan. That's okay. And those are some things to help you become more persistent. Next on our list is listener email. Oh, boy. This is Elizabeth from California. Hey, Kurt, love the podcast. Well, thank you for that. I was one of your students in California on the Magnetic Persuasion Boot Camp five years ago. Thanks. It took my influence tools and my ability to motivate others to the next level. I want to make more money and I want to be able to negotiate a higher salary. What are the tips? What are the tools? Elizabeth, good question. Let's talk about how do you negotiate a raise? Now, let's talk about this. We negotiate every day with family members, with teenagers, with each other, with coworkers. And the tools I want to talk about today are for known acquaintances, not strangers. The way you negotiate with your boss is very different than someone that's equal to you or someone that you've never met before or someone you're never going to work with again. They're different tools. There'll be some overlap, but they're different tools. The first thing I teach in any negotiation seminar is this rule, persuade first, negotiate second. Meaning... You don't have to negotiate because persuasion, you bring someone to your point of view, negotiations, a give, take, give, take. So you might be able to go into your boss and persuade them to give you a raise. There might not be any negotiation. 
this is what I want, this is what I need, and they give it to you. You want to be prepared for the negotiation, but persuade first, negotiate second. So let's play a little fact or fiction, because you've heard a lot of different things about negotiating, and especially negotiating a raise, there's emotions involved. You're involved. I mean, it's you, your life. It's what you do for a living. So anybody's going to tell you, do your research. That's an easy one. That's a fact. You should be coming in with a list of accomplishments, maybe money you've saved the company, money you've made the company. That could be you or your team. Type it up, maybe even hand it out to them. I would come in with what I call a win, W-I-N, what you want, what you intend, and what you need. Three numbers. This is what you really want for a raise. That's your best case scenario. That's your W. I is what you intend to get. That's probably right, right in the middle. And what you need is worst case scenario. If you don't get that, you are walking or maybe you're looking for another job. And make sure you think about potential objections. Put yourself in their shoes. What's in it for them? How will it affect them if you're not part of the team? How do you make their life easier? And as you do in your research, go to places like Glassdoor.com. They have a worth salary calculator that shows you how your pay stacks up to other people in the industry in different areas. It's not perfect, it's 100%, but it's a good place to start as you do your research. So the more research you can do up front, think it through, brainstorm potential objections, the more confidence you're going to have. Next one is, it's all about the money. This is fiction. It's not all about the money. You want more money, but it doesn't have to be money. How do you make the pie bigger? So if they can't give you more money, and sometimes their hands are tied, they can't. We think it's all money, money, money. That's how we value our worth. But what if they let you work at home a couple days a week or gave you a company car, a gym membership, or more vacation time? How do you make the pie bigger? What are some different things that you can do? Is it flexible work hours? Is it more stock options? Is it tuition reimbursement? It's not always about the money. So you could get a decent raise and not see any more money because they're adding different things to the scenario. Next one we've heard, got to be firm, give the ultimatum. Uh, fiction on that one because it could be cause resistance. You don't want to be backing people in a corner, especially your boss, especially if you're going to keep working there if they don't give you a raise. It's important to do a personality check. It might be awkward for them to be talking about this. They might not enjoy it. It's Maybe they want to give you a raise, but they can't. Put yourself in their shoes. Don't back in the corner. I would start off nice. You don't have to be firm in their face, ultimatum, especially right off the bat. In fact, a Harvard study shows that just starting off nice increases the chances of getting a raise or winning the negotiation, I believe, by 4%. So not a lot, but every percent counts. Next one, will I deserve a raise? Well, I'm going to say fact or fiction, depending on who you are. Be careful there. Maybe you do. You're too close to it. You're too emotionally involved. I think everyone knows the woebegone effect where people rate their skills higher than they actually are. 92% of managers rate their managerial skills as above average. 90% of people rate their people skills above average. We know it's not true, and you have to be careful. Maybe you were not as valued as you think. Maybe you don't deserve the raise, and you got to be careful here, especially if you have that demeanor, I deserve it. Maybe you do. Maybe you're very valuable, and I hope you are. But you need to make sure if you come across that way and your manager or boss doesn't believe it, it is going to cause resistance. you got to get in their shoes, get them to care. What's in it for them for you to stick around? What's in it for them to give you a raise? Give me a raise or I'm quitting. Fiction. 
Like I talked about before, don't start off with a threat. I mean, this could be one of your tools, but you've got to mean it. You've got to make it happen. If you're going to use that tool, you've got to mean it and you're going to quit. It would be the only time at the end, if you weren't getting anywhere, maybe use that tool. But for the most part, I would say don't. That's fiction. Here's the next one. Telling your boss, well, I know Sally got a raise. I know how much Frank is making. Fiction, <laughs> when making your case, don't compare yourself to other coworkers. Don't reveal information you're not supposed to have. Don't get Sally in trouble for her telling you, because she probably told you in confidence, that's fiction any way you look at it. Listen before you make your case. That's a fact. Because we all know great listeners are better negotiators, better influencers, because it allows you to adjust your presentation. Let them know you're there for a raise. Listen to their feedback, their thoughts. And if you let them talk, it creates trust, less tension, and it keeps you from vomiting. Because you want to vomit the 14 reasons they should give you a raise. You're probably only going to need two or three. But if we can get you to listen, adjust your presentation, you can build trust in the relationship and do better in the negotiation. When you talk about inflation, my bills, and how much my kids cost. Fiction. Well, my pet pig is ill. Johnny's starting college. We need a new car. I need a bigger house. <laughs> I haven't vacationed in two years. Don't bring up your personal financial situation. It's not their fault. They don't have to care. You need to make a solid case why you deserve a raise. Don't blame the economy. Don't blame inflation. Why do you deserve that raise? No one cares you have a lot of bills. Well, maybe they do, but they have a lot of bills too. <laughs> so when's the last time your boss got a raise? That would be interesting to know. Maybe you can't find that out, but if you're asking for a raise and they haven't had one in two years, could cause some resistance. Do your research. I should schedule a meeting ahead of time. Fact. See, some think they should pop in or surprise or take people off guard so they can't think of a reason to say no or come up with any objections. I'm saying no. Schedule a meeting and let them know what the meeting's about. Give them some time to think about it. Some people are like, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to pop in. Because they get so nervous about it that they just do it at the wrong time. See, salary negotiations can be as, just as uncomfortable for them, for your boss, as they are for you. You haven't thought about that, have you? They might have a confident demeanor, but some people just don't like it. They want to deal with it, especially if they want to give you a raise and they can't. It can be very awkward. They need time to think about it. Because if you come in and they're swamped, it's not going to be good for you. If you come in and they've just gotten bad news, not going to be good for you. If they're in a bad mood, not going to be good for you. So look at the time of day. Monday morning, probably not. Friday afternoon, probably not. After lunch could be bad. Maybe they're giving a presentation the next day and they're feeling rushed. They're feeling overwhelmed. All those things have been proven scientifically hurt your ability to influence them. Go ahead. Let them know the meeting when it's coming up. Ask for me to evaluate your performance. And that's going to tell you a lot. Because if they evaluate your performance and your performance is not very good, probably not a good time to ask for a raise. I should start really high with my salary negotiation. I want to say fact. Remember the law of contrast for maximum influence? And here's the plug, right? The free book, got to pay a little shipping, is at lawsofinfluence.com. That is the latest edition. But law of contrast shows that you've got to put things in perspective. That if you go high, you actually create an anchor, what's called a negotiation, where you get better terms. So you want to start as high as you can. Now, you want to show that you've done your research. Where did you get the number? You didn't pull out of the air. In fact, an odd number is more persuasive than an even number. You don't want to say, I want $200,000. You want to make it an odd number. 
maybe it's $203,000 or something like that. Those are things that you can do. Just make sure you don't get into the insult zone. For example, if it's way too big, more than the CEO makes, that could be a challenge. If it looks like you've made it up, that's a challenge. But it's okay to start real high. Well, I shouldn't brag or boast. Fiction, this is your time to shine. Now, not in an arrogant, condescending way. This is a time to impress your boss. This is your time to shine. Reveal your impact on the department, on the team. Or maybe if it makes you feel better, get permission. You know, I've made a list of accomplishments. Is it okay if we go over that? Those are some things that you can do, that you need to do in this type of situation. So maybe brag and boast is the wrong word, but if you can seriously go down all your accomplishments, we talked about earlier, money you've saved the company, money you've made the company, that's the type of things. Maybe even create that a list and hand it to them as you go through it. Passion is good. I need passion. I'm saying fiction on this. Because sometimes when people get passionate, people look at it as hype and too emotional. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to be professional and calm. But if you become too passionate, maybe this is fact and fiction. I mean, a little passion's good. But once you've lost control of your emotions, you're out of control, whether it be frustration or anger. A lot of times when you're passionate, it comes across as too emotional. I want you to stay professional and keep your emotions in control. All right, I need to have a good attitude when I go in. Uh, fact... We know that if you could have a good attitude, and attitude comes from your expectations. So visualizing them giving you a raise, having good expectations, that's where a good attitude comes from. Visualizing your success is always important. Being optimistic and smiling is part of the package. Remember, we've talked, oh, it's probably, it was podcast 248. Remember, the archives are located at, for free, by the way, influenceuniversity.com. It's also home of the Advanced PhD program. But the acronym T, thoughts control emotions, emotions control actions. You've got to have more positive thoughts, feeling it's going to work out. And remember the opposite's true. Actions control emotions, emotions control thoughts. Remember we've talked about in the past power poses, the victory pose, the arms above your head, or the Wonder Woman with your hands on your hip, walking in confidence. When you do that, and you'll probably want to do that in private, uh, yeah. When you do that, you actually feel more confident when you walk in more erect, you do the victory pose or hands in the air. Those are things that you can do that can adjust and help your attitude. Well, they have to go first. Well, most negotiation training will teach you that, but it's pretty false unless you haven't done your research. Basically, you should go first. It, it builds the trust. It shows me you've done your research. And that helps you dictate the starting point of the negotiation, which gives you better terms. Science proves it. It's okay to go first. So, Elizabeth, I hope that helps you out. The mental part of the game is just important as the preparation is just important in the tools that you have. And the last factor of fiction is no is a no. That's fiction. If they give you a no, is that a no for six months? Is that a no for three months? Is that a no forever? Get a timeline. When can we revisit this? What do I need to do to make myself more valuable? How can I make it easier for you to give me a raise? Because... It might be true. Maybe they can't. The larger the organization, sometimes their hands are really tight. These companies have these rigid guidelines. And then I would use the doorknob close. Hopefully you know that one. <laughs> also called the Columbo close, if you've ever seen that show. I mean, that goes way back. as before my time. They call it the doorknob close because you're reaching for the doorknob and you're turning around for that final question. And the resistance, like, oh, whew, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. And it's just a good time to ask a good question to get the truth. Something like, if your hands weren't tied, would you give me a raise? 
or if you were me, how would you get a raise? Just great questions at the end, doorknob close, they call it, that can help you out. So I hope that was helpful, Elizabeth, and other maximizers out there. Let me know what you think at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Everything you need from the podcast to additional products to contacting me to taking your Persuasion IQ, all located at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Remember, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, iTunes at Maximize Your Influence. I will be releasing more videos on YouTube to help you out, to give you more tools. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your love and support. Love your feedback. Help me know how we can improve the show. But take the new tools that you learned today. Go get yourself a raise. Go earn yourself some more money. Master these tools and go out and persuade with power.